This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Wednesday, October 19th. Coming up, Missourians will vote in November on whether to make the Missouri National Guard its own department. We'll explore what that would mean for the state. Plus, across the country, reservoirs are filling up with mud. Now, engineers will try a new way to fight the problem, and they'll try it out in Kansas. If something is not done, then there won't be water during you know, major drought periods. There just won't be water. But first, some headlines. A new proposal from Missouri's Secretary of State would require libraries that receive state funds to create and enforce rules around what materials are age-appropriate for minors. KCUR's Lawrence Brooks IV explains. If the rule gets passed, J. Ashcroft's office would withhold funding from libraries that failed to comply. The proposal would also allow parents to challenge a library's age-appropriate designation. The proposal parallels ongoing controversies in public schools over bans in those libraries. A spokesperson for Kansas City Public Library declined to comment on the proposal, but said next steps will be outlined at a board meeting later this week. Kansas City Public Library currently receives $109,000 from the state every year. A commission has been studying Missouri's teacher shortage for months. Kate Grumke reports on what they found. Members of the commission want Missouri to find more money for teachers. They also want a change to Missouri's constitution to make it possible to give in-demand teachers bonuses or salary supplements. That last point is especially important to Mark Walker, the chair of Missouri's Blue Ribbon Commission. He's CEO of a trucking company based in Springfield. This was the biggest surprise, perhaps, for business people, the lack of flexibility that you all have for meeting high-needs positions. It's unbelievably inappropriate in today's highly competitive marketplace. Special education, elementary, and science teachers are especially in demand. Teacher shortages are also worse in low-income school districts. The drought affecting Kansas and Missouri has been severe enough to activate a livestock assistance program in many counties. KCUR's Eva Tesfai reports the program helps ranchers whose pastures have dried out. Ranchers in most of the counties in Kansas and half of Missouri's counties have become eligible for the USDA's Livestock Forage Program, which makes cash payments to ranchers in counties with severe drought. Many ranchers are culling their cattle at a much higher rate than normal because they can't feed them, says Todd Barrows of the Kansas Farm Service Agency. That will impact the future of the number of animals available, which is going to impact our meat supply chain. This program and others that assist with water, feed, or livestock transportation could help producers keep their herds intact and stay in business. Missouri is one of only two states whose National Guard is under the control of a separate department, the Department of Public Safety. But Amendment 5 on the November ballot would change that and give the Missouri National Guard its own department. Supporters of the amendment say it would streamline communication between the governor and the National Guard. KCUR's Steve Kraske spoke to retired Missouri National Guard Adjutant General Stephen Danner about what the Guard does and how the amendment would affect that. Here's part of their conversation. Let's just uh, step back a moment. What does the Missouri National Guard do, Steve? Give us a sense of that. Well, that's a a great way to start off today. The Missouri National Guard wears two hats. First, uh, an adjutant general, and the Guard works for the President of the United States when called to active duty. Many of folks, I mean, understand Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, other active duties. So you're under the uh, auspices of the federal government and the active army. On the other hand, uh, your other hat is a state hat where you work for the governor. 
and uh, the governor calls the guard out for uh, natural disasters, floods, tornadoes, etc. So uh, you wear two hats and you work for the president and the governor at the same time. And that's unusual, isn't it? It is. It, it, I mean, there, there are 54 adjutant generals, the 50 states and four territories, and we're the only ones that, that wear those dual hats. And uh, actually, your, your pay and money and so forth, part comes from the state and parts come ah, from the federal government when you're called to active duty. How many members, just roughly, does the National Guard in Missouri have these days? Well, it's about 12,000. So you have the uh, uh, Army Guard and you have about 9,300 or so. That's what it was uh, in, in my time. And then about 2,300 to 2,500 in the Air Guard, huh. uh, 139th Airlift uh, uh, in St. Joe. And then um, you have the 131st Bomb Wing there at, uh, at Whiteman. So let's talk about Amendment 5. What is it asking voters to decide here, Steve? Well, it's just simply, uh, and it's very simply uh, put forth, it's just asking the voters to elevate the National Guard to a state department uh, so that you have direct access to the governor. So the history is, prior to 1974 and the Reorganization Act under Governor Bond, the Guard, from its inception, had always been a separate department. In fact, it's the the Guard is mentioned in the U.S. Constitution and in the Missouri Constitution in the first articles of, uh, basically, of governance, uh, etc. And it's the only state entity. There's no other department uh, mentioned in the Constitution in the early articles of, uh, you know, the people's rights and what the uh, state ought to be doing. And uh, so up until 74, it was its separate department. The limiting factor was in the, our fourth Constitution in 1945. It limited the number of state departments the government could have. Oh. And so uh, the Constitution says you can only have 15 departments and the Office of Administration. And it allows the governors to to switch departments. So over the years, different governors have taken health and human services, divided it up into uh, uh, elderly services or whatever uh, department they want to have uh, based on their particular programs, et cetera. So the Guard uh, then in 74 was placed under uh, public safety so that Governor Bond could create additional departments without having to go through a constitutional amendment. He could do it by uh, order. So there's a cap on the number of departments, which is why we have to go to the voters to ask for permission to create this own separate department then. That's exactly right. It hits a nail on the head. Uh, It's a constitutional requirement. And uh, the General Assembly has uh, seen fit to place that on the ballot for the voters. I gather you favor this idea. Oh, you betcha. Uh, I mean, I went through it for 11 years. And any time you can cut red tape and not have to, uh, you know, when you have department layered on department on department, when you're trying to get out to a flood or a fire or, you know, natural disaster, especially like Joplin. In, in 2011, right. you've got to react fast. And anytime you have you know, more bureaucratic red tape there, that doesn't uh, bode well for you being able to protect good people and, and their property from bad things. And that's because you had to go through another department uh, to get your orders from the governor. There was a, a middle layer there between you and the governor at that time. Yes, and the governor can issue the, uh, an executive order in how a, a disaster is going to be handled. So he can rearrange that, but that all takes time. Mm-hmm. And so we really had, we had some issues with the federal government on being able to use federal equipment and so forth in the 
you may recall in 2011, especially here in the Kansas City area, we had that terrible snowstorm. Uh, you know, we were trying to um, get doctors and nurses to hospitals and emergency rooms, and you know, the guard was actually ended up carrying a lot of medical personnel to huh. a hospital that time. In fact, we even had Blizzard Baby born in one of our trucks wow. uh, as as we were you know, getting an expectant mother to the hospital. Those are the kinds of instances where you've got to react very quickly. And uh, if the adjutant general has that cabinet level uh, uh, entrance into the governor's office, mm-hmm. that will make all the difference in the world in getting out uh, on time to meet these uh, the people's expectations of help. So if the change was into effect, then uh, the adjutant general would report directly to the governor, Steve. Do I have that right? Yes. And, and the, the other interesting thing is, is from the original Constitution, the adjutant general is appointed by the governor. So the, you're already appointed just as any department director would be. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, we're the only one in the, in, in the country like that. And it's kind of a, a, a weird setup where you're appointed by the governor, but you're not a department. So you can't access the governor as well. It, is there one concern here that this might give too much power to the governor? What do you say to people who might suggest that? Well, that's a great point. I've heard that. Uh, this has nothing to do with the powers of the governor. Powers of the governor remain the same. Uh, the powers of the governor regarding the militia and the guard are embedded in the uh, Constitution, uh, both the state Constitution and in uh, in uh, statutory right. uh, language, etc. So it has nothing to do with uh, giving more powers or less powers to the governor. Is there any check and balance built into this to ensure that maybe a governor isn't using the guard in a in a political manner? Say, Steve, you betcha. When you're adjutant general, you have three active army officers who are with you all the time based in Jefferson City. Mm -hmm. Uh, One that I uh, mentioned before is the active army officer that oversees your training to see that you're training to army standards. Right. Uh, The second one is the inspector general. So if there is something amiss, the army inspector general can come in and investigate. And the last person is what we call the PFO, the fiscal and property officer, Mm -hmm. who's an active duty officer who has a separate staff of 15 or 20 auditors, and they are auditing everything that we do to see that everything is spent under the right color, what we call color of money uh, from the federal government. That was KCUR Steve Kraske and former Missouri National Guard Adjutant General Stephen Danner. You can hear their entire conversation from KCUR's Up to Date at KCUR.org. Hundreds of thousands of people depend on the Kansas River for drinking water, but its reservoirs are shrinking. Next year, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers will try a new way to save one of them, Tuttle Creek Lake near Manhattan. Celia yopis Jepson of the Kansas News Service reports. Half of Tuttle Creek Lake by Manhattan is just gone. The half with abandoned boat ramps that no longer lead to water. The lake is filling up with silt, soil washing off farms like this one to the north, where Kansas is planting trees to keep the Big Blue River from flushing land downstream to the lake. Andy Klein is from the Kansas Forest Service. One farmer nearby said, I wish we could have done this project 15 years ago because I've lost about 15 acres of cropland here. He uses a tractor to pull a planter that's plopping thousands of acorns and walnuts into the ground for a thick buffer of woods between the river and the cornfield. But this isn't enough. 
three and a half football fields worth of dirt piled as high as the Empire State Building have been pouring into the lake each year. John Shelley is a sediment specialist at the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. If something is not done, then there won't be water during you know, major drought periods. There just won't be water. Cities like Topeka, Lawrence, and Olathe depend on the Kansas River and on this reservoir during droughts. In fact, all the reservoirs in this river basin are shrinking. So Kansas and the Corps will try something new. Create a kind of underwater mudslide. Yeah, you can kind of imagine it as sort of like, like kind of like an avalanche. Admin Husich is professor of water resources and engineering at the University of Kansas. He says reservoirs everywhere are losing capacity. And I think if Kansas were to prove this as a successful concept, it would be a big jump forward. The lake bed at Tuttle slopes downhill. At the bottom of this underwater hill is the dam. Now, Tuttle has something not all reservoirs have. It has exit gates at the base of the dam. Engineers want mud to slide downhill to those gates so they can let it out. So they'll lower pipes down to the lake bed and hit it with water, kind of like turning on a jacuzzi. These jacuzzi jets will stir up the silt, creating a muddy current that should slide downhill. The Corps of Engineers will start short pilot tests next year. Kansas tried regular old dredging on a different reservoir several years ago near Emporia. The Kansas Water Office took this video. But lakes like Tuttle are just too big to suck and dig mud from the lake bed and transport it all somewhere else. Okay, so if this new idea works, what then? The mud will flow downstream and reach the Kansas River. That has Amy Bergen worried. She's a scientist at the Kansas Biological Survey. Rivers are not pipes. They're active biological communities. Federal engineers have tested the lake mud for farm chemicals like pesticides. They feel confident it is not a risk. But Bergen wants more testing. This will impact water quality and how that reverberates through the system is, is unknown. Also, too much muddy water at the wrong time of year could hurt river life like fish or mussels. Heidi Mel works for the Nature Conservancy in Kansas. You know, a large slug of fine sediment can really choke fish habitats and affect their breeding success. Yet before dams, our rivers carried a lot more mud. Many plants and animals need it to thrive, but dams all across the U.S. block it. Restoring sediment continuity would be a huge benefit from the Kansas River all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. For two decades, the Nature Conservancy has worked with the Corps of Engineers to try to tweak reservoir management so that wildlife benefit. For its part, the Corps says it's committed to monitoring the Kansas River during its pilot tests in case of any negative effects. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Celia yopis jepsen in Manhattan. The Kansas News Service reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more local news from Kansas City's NPR station, visit kcur.org, where you can find our coverage of the upcoming election. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow. On the latest episode of Overlook, Chapter 2, The Wrong Lamont. 
1994, Kansas City, Kansas police arrested Lamont McIntyre for a double homicide he didn't commit, sending him to prison for more than two decades before he was finally exonerated. Except McIntyre was a mile away from the Hutching Street murders. There was nothing to tie me to this crime, nothing. As it turns out, the only evidence police had to charge McIntyre was his first name and the coerced testimony of two eyewitnesses. Overlooked, a new podcast from KCUR Studios and the NPR Midwest Newsroom. Get the new episode on Apple, Spotify, and KCUR.org.